Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Not just a sampling, but an actual night of college football last night. How did you like that? How did you like that, Brian Scott Rippey? I think you liked it. Me? Yeah. I liked it. Absolutely. I, I enjoyed it. it made, the, nice. uh, made the ride home from Philadelphia a little faster yesterday. The uh, ESPN apps kind of changed the world. There's parts of that drive, though, where you don't have cell service at all. You're right. Like, You're... not even, like, like, can't send text, much less stream. Yeah. It's tough. Uh, there weren't many parts of it. Uh, so maybe, maybe you took an alternate route, right? I couldn't tell you. I couldn't even tell you if it was the same way I got there. It's all Tulane Highway. Sports Talk Mississippi with you live from the Chancellor's House on the – Oxford Square. We are glad to be back here and glad to have you along on this Friday afternoon. Got a lot to get to. Uh, We're going to have a good time. We are in the library, which I don't know if it technically is called the Faulkner Room, but if it's not, I'm sorry, what? Okay, so this is the Cofield Reading Room, but it is a bit of a shrine to William Faulkner right now. There is a, a ton of really cool stuff in here. We'll tell you some about that. As we uh, go through the afternoon, we're also going to tell you about the uh, the, the cool hotel. Uh, very much a, uh, a luxury boutique hotel, but uh, it's a comfortable space as well. An incredible restaurant. They've got the grill, which is the formal dining room. You can also eat in the bar. And my favorite spot, I don't know if I would do it right now while it's like 92 degrees outside, but when the temperature comes down just a little bit, my favorite spot is to uh, have dinner on the uh, on the patio outside. It's a really cool uh, cool space, and we're glad to be back at the Chancellor's house with you uh, once again on Sports Talk Mississippi. Michael Borky is in the studio. Borky, happy Friday. What's up, man? Yeah, it feels good going 1-0 and on our first uh, real college football picks from the night. Yes, it was a, uh, a good start. Uh, I do feel like there's a little bit of pressure, though, coming up for uh, today's sports book at Timeout Lounge for the Golden Moon Casino pick of the day. We are, uh, we are knocking on the door to our first 5-0 and week on those daily picks. See, you shouldn't have said that. Well, you I just look, ruined I mean, it. That, what's the difference in saying we've won four in a row and we're trying to go 5-0? and I mean, you know. It's like Fight Club. Don't talk about it. Hey, we are no superstition around here. We're just rocking and rolling and uh, trying to find uh, trying to find some value out there. Uh, we are glad to be with you. Sports Talk brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank online at mslandbank.com. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. If you've got land financing or refinancing needs of any kind, Mississippi Land Bank can help. They have been financing and refinancing land for over 100 years. So whether you're a farmer, you're looking to build a dream house, or maybe you're just buying a piece of recreational property, check out Mississippi Land Bank. mslandbank.com, where they know the lay of the land scores from last night i'm not going to give you every single score of every game that was played let's hit some highlights clemson in the debut of the acc networks wins uh, 52 to 14 over uh, georgia tech travis Etienne goes for uh, 205 yards at three touchdowns 
Trevor Lawrence looked pedestrian last night. He was uh, 13 of 23, 168 yards, had one touchdown passing, uh, made some plays with his legs early in the ballgame, had a rushing touchdown as well. But uh, if you expected to flip on the uh, the television and see Trevor Lawrence go, oh, I don't know, 22 of 25 for 350 yards and four touchdowns, you were disappointed. That said, that's a really good football team. And despite what Clemson lost on defense a year ago on the defensive line, they are unbelievably athletic on that side of the ball. wonder who's going to be the national title game. You feel like Clemson's going to be at least one of the teams? Probably. Yeah. Alabama's going to be one of the teams. Yeah. Did you I see what you... ETN said after the game, by the way? Almost taunting everyone. What did he say? He said he had a bad game. Didn't think he played very well. Well, he didn't early. I mean, it was it was mid-second quarter before he got going, and then when he got going, he got going in a big way. Texas A&M opened their season last night with a win over Texas State, 41-7. to Kevin Mond, pretty efficient. Uh, Kellen Mond, pretty efficient, 19 of 27, 194, and uh, three touchdowns. The freshman, Isaiah Spiller, ripped off an 89-yard run in the game. He had seven carries for 106. Courtney Davis with a touchdown catch on uh, six receptions for 85 yards. In the Holy War, which was the pick of the day yesterday, we gave you Utah minus six. It would have uh, been good, Utah minus 17. They win it by 1830 to 12 close early nine to six was the uh, score at halftime uh if you were wondering if that doinked extra point early in the game was going to uh, come back and be significant to some turned it out uh, turned out not to be play the the game really changed on a um uh, what was it a, a personal foul face mask penalty on byu on a third and 24 uh, that gave Utah a first down, gave them some momentum. They end up driving down, scored 21 in the second half, and uh, and got the win. Brandon Wimbush had a good debut for UCF last night. He uh, threw for 168 yards and a couple of touchdowns. The Knights played three quarterbacks in the game, winning over Florida A&M 62 to nothing. And UCLA, uh, dealing with some injuries, but did not get great quarterback play last night, and they lost on the road by 10, 24-14 to a pretty good Cincinnati team. And, Rippy, you told us going in, you, you really kind of liked the makeup of that Cincinnati team that won 11 games a year ago. Yeah, they brought a lot back. That Cincinnati-Memphis game at the end of the year could be pretty interesting. Probably a three-horse race in that conference. With UCF being the third? Yeah. Don't yeah. fast-forward too far. Look who Cincinnati plays next weekend. Was that be uh, the Ohio State University? That would be the Ohio State University. I just been in the American Conference. Yeah. No, I, I understand what you're saying. Uh, so those were uh, the games involving top 25 teams uh, last night. Uh, Tulane got a big win over Florida International, beat them 42-14 to uh, 14 down in New Orleans. Minnesota had to hang on for dear life at the end to get a win over uh, South Dakota State. Arizona State 30-7 to over uh, Kent State, so they did not hit the number in, uh, in that game. But all in all, a fun opening night of college football. So at, at some point last night, I fell asleep in the either late third quarter or early fourth quarter of the game between Utah and BYU. Did they have a weather delay in the game? They did, yeah. Pretty heavy rain. Uh, I think they ended up coming back at over, uh, after 11 o'clock local time. Okay, uh, so really late ball game. Well, I, I fell asleep and then I woke back up and they're like, "Hey, Scott Van Pelt, Sports Center, we'll get back, get you back to the game uh, whenever the weather delay ends." And then I fell asleep again after I don't know 
a few minutes of Sports Center, and then woke up on my couch in my office at 2.26. And I thought, uh, wait, they had a weather delay. Surely it's over. I picked it up, and it was over at that point. So, did the game end? It may have been later than that, that honestly, because you were texting me about something that had happened in that game that was pretty late, and that was before the delay, and I swear I think that was like 11.30. Maybe I'm wrong. I think when the delay actually happened was uh, was later than that. Let's see when the last time I texted you. Anyway, I think I fell asleep on the couch for uh, for a couple of hours uh, at that point. 10.30 was the last time I texted you. Or you texted me, I guess. Anyway. No, it's not. That's not right. That was this morning. It was 11.39 when I sent you a, uh, a message last night. Anyway, uh, Borky, a lot to get to this afternoon. Week two of the high school football season. And uh, we will preview what's coming up in the four o'clock this hour, uh, this uh, four o'clock hour this afternoon with uh, with Will East and uh, Stephen Gagliano. Uh, there's some big games in high school football as you look across the uh, the state of Mississippi. So Clemson rolled last night. Kellen Mond was really good. Utah did a nice job. Chip Kelly lost. You had an FCS win over an FBS team with Central Arkansas coming from behind and beating Western Kentucky. Uh, anything else stand out to you last night? Uh, that Tulane game, maybe. It was a, a close line, and uh, there were some college football people that were telling you you need to watch that game because that'll be a good game. And It was not. It was not at all. I mean, shockingly so, uh, Will Hall and Willie Fritz and Tulane people, I mean, could be sneaky contenders in that AAC with the way they looked last night. Yeah. A couple of news items today out of Ole Miss, and neither of them have anything to do with football that is being played on the field. A, uh, a bit of an amendment to the party deck setup that's going to happen in the student section. And uh, if you want to buy or drink beer inside Vaught-Hemingway Stadium and not have to smuggle it in yourself, uh, you're going to enjoy the second half of the home slate this year. Keith Carter, Athletics Director at Ole Miss, is going to join us on the Farm Bureau phone line coming up in, uh, in just a few minutes, and we will talk uh, about uh, those decisions and what went into them today as well. Neil White is going to join us this afternoon. He is an author and a publisher here in Oxford, and uh, they've got a brand-new book that is, uh, that is coming out and it is 125 years, stories of 125 years of Ole Miss football. I've got a copy of the book uh, sitting on my bedside uh, table, and uh, really, really cool stuff. I mean, the obvious things are in there. Yes, there are stories about Archie Manning and Eli Manning and Deuce McAllister and Patrick Willis and Chucky Mullins, but there are a whole bunch of other stories that are in there uh, that cover the last 125 years of football for Ole Miss. So that'll be fun to uh, get to coming up this afternoon as well. Brian Haydad will join us a little bit later from New Orleans. We'll go to Las Vegas and check in with Bruce Marshall from the Gold Sheet. All of that coming your way this afternoon. Sports Talk Mississippi on a Fight Song Friday coming to you in the Renaissance Bank Studio live today from the Chancellor Hotel in Oxford. Talk Mississippi back with you from the Chancellor's House Hotel in Oxford. Glad to have you along on this Friday afternoon and glad to have Ole Miss Interim Athletics Director Keith Carter on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com 
and go with the home team. Keith's already in Memphis, Ole Miss football team arriving a little early, a walkthrough this afternoon at uh, Liberty Bowl Stadium prior to uh, tomorrow's season opener. Keith, appreciate a few minutes. Uh, Made it to the start of the college football season, a lot of excitement. Borky, I am not. So may have to uh, try that again. Keith, can you hear me now? Yes. There we go. Keith Carter joining us from Memphis uh, with the Ole Miss football team. And uh, I guess let's just start with kind of the excitement of a new season. It's a a new beginning and uh, in a lot of ways a turning of the page uh, for the Ole Miss football team. Yeah, no question, Richard. This is – this is a long time coming, you know, obviously to be bowl eligible and to have a season where uh, we're playing with really a full deck of cards is, is really exciting. And I know Matt and the team and all the staff, everybody's ready to get started tomorrow. I know they're, uh, I think they're actually over at the Liberty Bowl right now doing a walkthrough and uh, then they'll head over here to the hotel. But uh, really exciting and uh, ready to get started tomorrow. A couple of news items that have come out today, and neither of them are necessarily related to on-field football stuff, but more, I guess, on the administrative side of things. One of the things uh, that maybe has been talked about this offseason more by all 14 fan bases in the SEC uh, after the league office said that uh, schools can make their own decisions about the sale of alcohol inside stadiums. The uh, initial news was that, yeah, probably not going to happen this year for Ole Miss football, but that news was amended earlier today. Tell us a little bit more. Well, yeah, absolutely. We, we, uh, you know, when the SEC made that uh, that ruling back in, in late May, obviously it, it put the uh, the, the uh, decision back to the institutions. And you know, at first we thought there were some, uh, some maybe some Mississippi State law and potential IHL uh, policy issues that we would need to work through. And, and we found out later in the summer that we could. Uh, we could actually move forward, and, and truly, the decision was, was on each institution. And so, we started uh, started working on it and, and spending time with it, and, and obviously getting different constituencies on campus together to to figure out what was the right move for Ole Miss. And um, you know, earlier this week, we were able to to come to a consensus, and, uh, and we're going to start selling on on October nineteenth against Texas A and M and Hemingway Stadium, and we'll we'll continue to to do that throughout basketball and, and baseball season, and then obviously a full a full football season next year, but. Uh, you know, we just feel like it gives us a little time to make sure that we're going to implement in the right way, make sure that we're doing it responsibly. Uh, we have all the right players at the table that uh, that, that need to be to, to make sure we can do this seamlessly and, and do it the right way and, and obviously ensure, you know, a family-friendly and, and a great game day atmosphere for, for all of our fans. But we think it's a, a big day, a big decision, and, uh, and we were excited to, to get it out there today. Keith, maybe a couple of questions specifically about that. Southern Miss uh, a couple of weeks ago announced that uh, that they were going to go forward with the sale of alcohol uh, inside M.M. Roberts Stadium there in Hattiesburg. Did that decision put any additional pressure on Ole Miss to, to decide to go forward, or did it make it easier maybe for, for you guys to make the decision to go ahead and do this this year? Well, yeah, obviously they were they were the first ones to kind of jump out there in the state and, and make that decision. And you know, for us, I think it was just about our timing. You know, we wanted to make sure that we felt comfortable uh, that, that again we could implement this thing the right way and, and do it in a positive manner. And uh, we just needed a little more time. Frankly, we need a little more time to, to talk through some things. And um, you know, for us, I think that it's a, a good decision. I think it's something that uh, will be well received with our fan base. But uh, you know, I do think that the landscape changed over the last, you know, three or four weeks. You had you had a lot of schools coming out, 
uh, saying that they would be would be selling when they would be starting and those type of things. And yeah. so I think as, as our group kind of discussed what was right for Ole Miss, that certainly weighed into to some of our decisions. But uh, you know, we're excited to move forward. Again, I think it gives us time to, to make sure we're doing it the right way, and and uh, we'll be ready to go on October nineteenth. Keith, the, the release today pointed to beer sales and spiked seltzer sales, which is all of a sudden, I guess, all the uh, the rave. What about wine as well? I know that uh, that we've seen LSU, Texas A and M, uh, that has been all, kind of on their menu of items as well. D- does state law even allow that to happen in Mississippi? It, it does. It does. And I think you know, for us with with the with the beer sales, we felt like that was probably the easiest to implement. You know, as we get this thing started. Okay. Um, you know, I think as we move forward that the, the, the light wine component of this could certainly come into play, um, you know, as we as we go forward. So um, I, I don't think that it will be there for, for Texas A&M, but as we move forward maybe throughout football and certainly as we get into basketball, you know, some of those options could come on the table as well. But, uh, again, we want to make sure we're doing this uh, the right way, that we roll it out, that we can – we can handle this as we as we do it. Obviously, Texas A&M is a, is a huge game, and we expect a great crowd for that one. And we just felt like beer would be the easiest to, to kind of implement early. And as we figure that out, maybe we can move forward to other menu items. What about the revenue piece of this? Because th- there's no secret that a lot of schools have rolled this out, and we've seen reports about the, the dollars. Uh, you know, it, it's not necessarily a windfall in, in that, oh, you're going to go make $10 million dollars. But there is real money to be made uh, from a revenue standpoint, isn't there? Absolutely. You know, I think, uh, you know, when you look at a, a full season, obviously we're not going to have a full season in football this year. But when you look at a full season, I mean, you're talking about high six figures, maybe even seven figures in gross revenue, you know, when it, when it all is said and done. So uh, obviously a revenue number is important. Uh, we want to make sure that, that, you know, as we get that revenue, that we're, we're investing that into things that make a difference on our campus, whether it be in athletics or across campus as well. And so we'll, uh, we'll work with campus on that to see what makes the most sense. But, you know, revenue is important. Obviously, we, we talk a, a lot about, you know, revenues falling and expenses going up. So having that extra line item will be great. But certainly, you know, more importantly, we want to make sure that we're doing this in a way that is responsible and that, uh, you know, it's not just about revenue, that we want to, we want to do it in the right way and, and, and add an element to our, for our fan base for the game day atmosphere, but certainly do it in the right way that, that everybody feels comfortable with it. Keith Carter, Interim Athletics Director at Ole Miss, on your radio right now on the Farm Bureau phone line. So the other piece of news, we, we got the, the release of a couple of weeks back that these party decks were going to go in at the top of the student section. And I know the construction had begun on those, but somewhere along the way the, you guys realized there was a safety concern, and so that plan has kind of changed. What is that now going to look like kind of in comparison to maybe what those initial renderings that came out looked like? Sure. You know, as we as we did get the construction up, as you mentioned, you know, obviously there's a lot of testing. There's a lot of different things that go along with it. And I think at the end of the day, Richard, we just felt like that, you know, when you put 100 students up on a, on a platform and really the way those things had to be constructed, they, they were really high. Because if you think about the pitch of the stadium and, and making those those decks level, uh, we were just worried about the, the loading up there. And if, if, you know, we were scoring a touchdown and students were running from one side of the platform to the, to the other side, <laughs> we just wanted to make sure that, that we were safe. And, and I think ultimately we decided, kind of got around the table and decided, you know what, it, it's not worth having, you know, some type of, of incident there where, you know, there could be injury or that type of thing. So we just decided we were going to take those down. But, you know, to be honest, I think the, the uh, situation that we've come up in the, 
the uh, the way we're going to do it now could be ultimately a lot better for our students. It's certainly going to affect a lot more of them. With the platforms, uh, there was only going to be about 800 students that could, could participate in that. And now I think with the, the new thing we're going to do, you're looking at maybe 23 to 2,400 students that can have access to this. But basically we're going to do tents around the, the top of the uh, the stadium, a very similar concept to the to the party decks. But we're going to do the tents. We're going to have um, we're going to have TVs. We're going to have fans. We're going to have charging stations, shade, you know, all the things that we had talked about with the decks. But we're just going to do it a little differently and and, uh, and allow more students to, to to participate in this. So we're excited about it. We think it's going to be fun. We think our students are really going to enjoy it, uh, and we hope that it shows them that we are listening, that we we want to improve their experience. And you know, I said it. I've said it many times. You know, the whole atmosphere and environment is driven by those students. So we want them to know that we're sensitive to their needs and that we're listening, and we want to make that uh, that student section a really fun time for them. So will it just be a flat platform that runs all the way across the top of the student section? Is that kind of the the, the gist of what it's going to look like? We've only got about 30 seconds well, left. Well, so basically what you're going to have, Richard, you're going to have, we, we can't do this all the way across because you've got the video board there, and it would have struck some, some view there for, from some of, for some of our fans. But basically, if you're looking straight at the uh, at the north end zone on the left side at the very top and at the right side on the very top, there will basically be tents that go all the way across to the video board. There will be a gap, and then they'll start again on, on the right side. And those tents will obviously be level, so that front pole on the on the tents will have to be pretty long. But the, the students will actually be sitting on the bleacher, as they've done in the past, but they're just going to have shade. They're going to have access to watch you know, other games, the, in, the in-game feed, that type of thing. They'll have charging stations. And there'll be fans there to move the air around. So we think it's going to add to the experience. We think that again, more students are going to be able to participate. And uh, you know, we're going to evaluate it. And, and as we as we move game by game, we'll probably tweak some things. But our hope is that this is something that the students will really enjoy, and we can uh, you know expound on it next year and, and maybe even make it bigger. Sounds good, Keith. Really appreciate your time this afternoon, and uh, look forward to seeing you at the Liberty Bowl in the morning. Sounds great, Richard. Thanks so much. That's Keith Carter, Interim Athletics Director at Ole Miss. So the announcement today that Ole Miss uh, will sell beer starting uh, with the Texas A&M game, so for the final three home games of the season, and also some uh, tweaks to the party deck setup for students at the top of the, uh, the north end zone student section as well. Thanks to Keith Carter for joining us on the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team. We're back after this at the Chancellor's House Hotel in Oxford in the Renaissance Bank Studio. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming online at supertalk.fm. Glad to be with you on this Friday afternoon on the eve of the first full college football Saturday of the season. That includes Mississippi State and Louisiana Lafayette tomorrow morning, 11 o'clock on ESPNU in the Superdome. Southern Miss tomorrow night at home hosting Alcorn State. They're expecting a big crowd at the Rock and Ole Miss on the road at the Liberty Bowl tomorrow morning against Memphis. Normally our guests appear on the Farm Bureau phone line. Happy to uh, have Neil White, though, in person uh, here in Oxford. If, uh, if that name rings a bell, before, uh, then maybe you have read some of his work uh, in the past. Uh, an accomplished author, an editor, a publisher, and uh, now the creator of stories from 125 years of Ole Miss football. Neil, great to see you, and uh, what a cool book. Thanks, Richard. Glad to be here. Yeah, it was so much fun to put together. It really was. Let's... um. Let's kind of start from the beginning of, of, of this project. So you own a publishing company. I do. You, you are a writer, uh, serve kind of as an editor for, for this book. So 
Can I go back to, to where the idea came about to put out a history of Ole Miss football? Sure. Uh, well, we were celebrating the 125th year, and uh, a history book had been done for the 100th uh, year, 25 years ago. And rather than rehash the same old stories, I wanted to take a little bit different approach. Instead of it being a history of 125 years, it's stories from 125 years. I had about 10 people help me put together uh, the stories, and I did a lot of the research and writing too, but we started every interview with this question, tell us something that nobody knows. And we had people just spill out stories that they'd been holding on to for 60 years, 50 years, 80 years. It was remarkable. And so this is, it's a football book, but it's a behind-the-scenes stories book. It's fascinating. And uh, you pointed out to me a second ago that the, the dedication in the book is actually to the three longest-tenured media relations directors, sports information directors at Ole Miss. That's right. Uh, Billy Gates and Langston Rogers and Bobo Champion, I think, was the uh, the third, right? That's right. Bo- Bobo was uh, Billy Gates' assistant for a lot of years, and he, he was in the gap. And then Steve Sloan brought his own people in, and Billy and Bobo uh, Champion lost his job. But uh, those three. There are a lot of things that didn't go right in the Steve Sloan era. <laughs> yeah, there, there sure was. That, was. that was my freshman year when he came along. I remembered it. But those three men, for 74 years, really kept the records. And I, I spent spent about eight months in the archives, and I would say to Langston, gosh, there was a guy in 1939 who was headed to be an All-American who died in a car wreck, and I've read these stories about him, and he said, yeah, i got a file on him, and pulled it out with photographs, and, uh, you know, just amazing. Everything is right there organized, and uh, what a treasure for all Ole Miss fans. Stories from 125 years of Ole Miss football and, and a different way of looking at the history of the uh, the program. The usual suspects, obviously, are there. There's Archie Manning, there's Eli Manning, there's Patrick Willis, and there's Chucky Mullins and Deuce McAllister. But there's a lot of stuff that maybe you didn't know about, unless you're just one of those people who has read everything and dived into everything. There, there is new information to learn here, right? Absolutely. I mean, everything from Parker Hall, who was uh, an All-American in 1936, he led the nation in seven categories that season. No other college player from Ole Miss has even come close to that. Then you have, on the flip side, the 1907 Ole Miss team was so bad they were voted the second worst team in the history of college football. Their coach, a guy named Slugger Mason from Harvard, on a cold November night when they were playing Mississippi State, decided he thought it'd be a good idea to warm the players up by giving them whiskey. You know, <laughs> didn't work out so well. So, Rippy, uh, that was the team you wanted to play on, right? <laughs> I think I could have done better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Didn't hurt when they got hit anyway. But uh, yeah, yeah. So, so great stories. And and like for example, Perry Ann Connerly tells a story that. In 1968, after the Super Bowl win, Joe Namath went to a well-known restaurant in New York with his fur coat and his entourage demanding a table. And the guy who owned it, a guy named Toot Shore, came out and said, what do you want? He said, I want a table. He said, we don't have one. He said, make one for me. And he said, who the hell do you think you are, Charlie Connerly? You know, just stories like that that are priceless that not many people have heard. One of the things that's fascinating to me in the history of college football is what happened in the 1940s when when World War II was going on Um, because you had so many guys that were moving around and there were seasons that were canceled altogether 
And then you had players that, that ended up transferring and, right. and going to different places. And, you know, maybe somebody that was an All-American at Ole Miss ends up playing at Army West Point. That's exactly right. Yeah, yeah. And what's interesting about that is Harry Mayer came here in uh, 1938, and his first three seasons, if you take those before the war broke out, he had the highest winning percentage of any Ole Miss coach, including John Vaught. His freshman team that year had Doug Kena, it had he had Buddy Bowen, he had Charlie Connerly, he had the Pool Boys, and his freshman team, they were headed to the national championship and they all got dispersed. And Harry, who ended up being a great sports writer and, and business person, uh, it, he turned to the bottle and, and he <laughs> really he really it ruined his life. He never could rebuild that team again. And this is the sort of dots I love to connect. One year when we didn't have a football team in 43, he had to hire some coaches to come up to train the guys in hand-to-hand combat. And he hired an unknown guy from Moss Point named Eddie Kayat, who had never had any affiliation with Ole Miss. And that year when he was hired by Harry Mayer, his family fell in love with Oxford and Ole Miss, including his five-year-old son, Robert Kayat. Who uh, has gone on to play a uh, fairly significant role in the uh, the history of uh, the University of Mississippi? Visiting with Neil White, uh, his book is uh, is called "Stories from 125 Years of Ole Miss Football." I, I say his book, um, I, I, yours, in that it's your project and your creation, and you were the editor. But this is a book that, that, that's got a lot of authors yeah. and, and a lot of collaborators that were part of it, which I would think in some ways makes a, a project like this more complicated, but maybe also makes it a little more fun. A lot more fun. We, we have Rick Cleveland. We have Billy Watkins. We have Jeff Robertson. We have, uh, 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 you know, it, all, all the major writers that you might think of. We have Don Whitten. We have Chuck Roundsville. I mean, the list just goes on and on and on in terms of contributors. And so... All these guys had stories that nobody else heard. You know, Rick Cleveland brought to the table uh, about Deuce McAllister being put as linebacker as a freshman, and if John Avery hadn't gotten hurt, he was going to be, you know, the next great linebacker for Tommy And probably would have been, if we're being honest. Well, probably would have been, but it worked out in a different way. And then you have, um, you know, he talks about Possum Price being recruited uh, by Coach Poole. And when he went to the high school to find out where uh, Richard Price was, they he was 17. They said, oh, he's at so-and-so's bar. And he was at the bar drinking a beer, smoking a cigarette at 17, <laughs> and Coach Poole went in and signed him. Uh, so, you know, though when you have Billy and, and, and Jeff and, and Rick contributing along with all the others as well, uh, it adds a real richness to the, to the book. Tell me where, uh, or, or I say tell me, tell me, but tell everybody that's listening where they can get this. I, I know well, one place is on your website, nautiluspublishing.com. That's right, but uh, I would I would encourage them to support uh, independent bookstores, Mississippi bookstores. It's on sale at Square Books in Oxford. It's on sale at Lemuria and Jackson. Uh, you've got Turn Row Books in Greenwood. In Vicksburg, you've got uh, Lorelei Books on the coast. You've got Bay Books. Reed's Bookstore in Tupelo. If you can't buy it there, you can go to NautilusPublishing.com and buy it, but we'd rather you support our independent booksellers. And, you know, if you live far, far, far away, uh, I guess you could buy it on Amazon.com. It's for sale there, too, but uh, I'd rather support the small guys. Yeah, and, and there's kind of an addendum that goes with this as well, the, the trivia questions. And, yeah. and I will tell you, Neil, at one point, Part of uh, the the work that I was doing on the sideline, we had to come up with a trivia question every game. It was a, a sponsored deal, and I was terrible at coming up with trivia. So it was like, okay, grab the game notes, and I've got to get one. <laughs> I needed that. 
Well, you got 450 questions. Yeah. About six months into the research, uh, I realized we had all of this trivia and uh, that wasn't going to act necessarily make it in the book and nobody had ever done one. So as a companion, there's trivia from 125 years of Ole Miss football. And I want to give good credit to uh, Jeff Robertson and, uh, and an Ole Miss student who was my intern, Charlie Hooker, who helped combine it all. And uh, those two really, it's really a lot of fun. Uh, Langston Rogers took it and knew all of them, but he missed about two or three. I'd like to find somebody out of 450. Out of 450, yeah, and that included scores and things like that. So, wow, uh, that's it's, impressive. It's a fun book. Well, this is a uh, it's a great project. It's a uh, it's a beautiful coffee table book, but it's a whole lot more than uh, than that. And I know. Uh, uh, Ole Miss fans, but college football fans, period. People that love the history of the game will uh, will find great joy in this one. Thanks, Richard. Neil, thanks for coming back. That's Neil White from uh, Nautilus Publishing. He was the editor on this book, Stories from 125 Years of Ole Miss Football. It is officially on sale tomorrow. Today. That's right. Today. It's in stores today. You okay, can so, get it early. That's so, right. so you can get it. If you're in Oxford, you can go to Square Books, Lemuria and Jackson, Bay Books on the Coast, uh, Turnrow, you said, in Greenwood, Greenwood. Yes. Uh, and other independent bookstores across the state of Mississippi. Uh, certainly a, uh, an important thing to support uh, our local and independent bookstores. Neil White on your radio. We've got more coming up with you. Sports Talk Mississippi as we continue from the Chancellor's House Hotel on this Friday on the eve of the first full Saturday of the college football season. Back after this in the Renaissance Bank studio. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming online at supertalk.fm. Glad to have you along on this Friday afternoon. Richard Cross and Brian Scott Rippey with you from the Chancellor's House Hotel on the Oxford Square. Brian Haydad will join us from, oh, probably floating around on Bourbon Street coming up uh, about an hour from right now. Michael Borky is in the studio and coming up in just a little bit, Will East and Stephen Gagliano. We'll jump on and we'll talk some high school football as we get set for week two of the high school football season across the state of Mississippi. Of course, you had JUCO football last night as uh, as well. Uh, we talked with Mike Frazier from JUCOweekly.org and uh, uh, good opening night of the, uh, the games in the Magnolia State. Uh, you want to read all about them and uh, check out the, uh, the scores, you can do so uh, again on that website, JUCOweekly.org for uh, all the results from uh, from last night. Sports Talk Mississippi, brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank. You can check out them uh, online at mslandbank.com, mslandbank.com. Uh, but what I really would suggest is that you find a branch location after you go to that website and you stop by and see them. Talk to them about uh, what your specific needs are, whether you're a farmer with equipment needs, buying a new piece of property, uh, getting a production loan or refinancing an existing loan, or maybe you're just ready to buy a recreational piece of land, a spot where you can hunt, where you can fish, where you can just get away a little bit. Mississippi Land Bank can help with all of that. Again, the website, mslandbank.com, Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. Counting them down. Borky, can you believe we made it to number one? It's about time we've made it to number one. Does it feel like it has gone quickly? For a while there, no. But now looking back, it's like anything in life, right? I mean, now yeah. it feels like you just snapped your fingers and here it is. But uh, no, there was a few weeks there where it was really slowly coming. And as you said, you know, right when they started practice, I remember I, I said something like, you know, football's back, man. This is great. And you said, hold on now. 
we still got another four weeks, and we're going to get excited for a couple of days, and then it's going to – and it felt just like that. So I'm glad we're here. Yeah, we uh, we finally made it. We were at the SEC baseball tournament in Hoover when we began the uh, countdown of 100 teams in 100 days. Do we have to make it line up to week zero next year if there is one? No, we all uh, our our deal is to the first full Saturday of the college football season. Who makes the rules? I do, and yeah. Borky does. We'll see. Oh, are you going to be the executive producer of Sports Talk Mississippi uh, come around May? We should at least get it to the Thursday. Why? I don't know. Because that's when college football starts. It's not broken. We go to the first Saturday of the season. Okay, fair enough. I'm just throwing ideas around here. Idea guy. Uh, quickly, the scores from uh, Juco Football Mississippi last night. Uh, Colin beat Holmes 27-21. Northwest got a win at East Central 26-13. Uh, Hines beat East Mississippi 24-16 in uh, Raymond last night. Pearl River uh, over Itawamba 35-31. Good game there. Northeast edges out Southwest 19-13. Gahoma beat Jones College 18-10. And then Mississippi Gulf Coast, big-time win over uh, Mississippi Delta 49-9. Is East is Hines good or East Mississippi down? Do you know the answer to that? Uh, I think the answer well, – the, the answer to the first – Part of your question, yeah, Hines is good. Okay, that Cahoma uh, kind of Jones a surprising result on the surface, though, right? Yeah, no, no question. Not yeah. as surprising as the other one, though. Cahoma beating Jones last night. Yeah, I agree with you on that because Jones College. I mean, you're talking about one of the kind of traditional powers. Cahoma has made some pretty steady strides over the last four or five years, and they've continued to improve. And they've started winning some games. And the rosters had a little bit of turnover. They've done a nice job from a coaching standpoint. That's a big win for them to uh, start uh, JUCO play uh, at home last night there in Cahoma County. Is it still that same staff that, you know, they showed that excerpt on it the last year, Buddy, and then we're on Last Chance U, and, like, they were kind of starting from the ground up? I was just curious if, like – You're talking about for Cahoma? Yeah, they did that thing on them being, like, not good or whatever. I just wonder if it's the same staff because they were, like – Pretty bare bones, like starting from the bottom at that point. Yeah, and and you know the facilities have improved at uh, at Cahoma, and uh, they've done a, a nice job. Uh, they're kind of trending in the right direction in uh, probably the most difficult junior college football league in America. All right, here we go. Team number one, the countdown of 100 teams in 100 days. This day is bananas. E a n a n a s. This day. 100 teams in 100 days. countdown indeed the last day of the countdown of 100 teams in 100 days you know who the team at the top of the list is all that tiger indeed the Clemson Tigers that's a really good version of all that tiger Borky. yeah it's the best one I like and the I, pace of it how good did that scene look last night at uh, Death Valley North uh, there at Clemson Packed House, and thinned out at the end. I don't think they did balloons. No, they didn't. I was shocked they did them last year, but uh, you know, maybe they finally killed the wrong kind of bird. Well, maybe it's a special occasion thing for uh, those biodegradable balloons. You know, budget budget concerns or something. They still had Howard's Rock. They ran it, and uh, 
Davos sprints down the hill and uh, a little bit of a slow start. And and now, granted, they were up fourteen to nothing after the first quarter and twenty eight to nothing at the half. But almost with just how good Clemson was a year ago, you you expect it to be an oiled machine that has no rust. There was a little bit of rust last night. Trevor Lawrence was so so, but goodness. 14 in the first quarter, 14 in the second quarter, 14 in the third quarter, 10 in the fourth quarter. Uh, significant snaps for uh, Chase Bryce as the backup quarterback. I think they used their, their third-string quarterback uh, before it was all said and done. I, I, listen, I, I don't know if it's possible to say, hey, I give some credit to Georgia Tech, but I actually give a little credit to Georgia Tech, especially in the first half. They were very competitive defensively. They were just so incredibly outmatched in the game. And they had they scored one touchdown, and then they, sh- I say, should have had a second. They're on like the three and through the pick, and I don't feel bad for Jeff Collins because of his bank account, but like when they showed the scene of him like shaking hands with his players like after the game, like that's got to be one of the toughest coaching career openers of all time at a school, right? Yeah, you you go to a place during some you where, know low level guy playing in Alabama or something like an FCS game, but like high major. College head coach. That's got to be one of the toughest debut in a while. Where you, you go to a place where you believe that the potential is there for really good days ahead, but you're making the transition from two decades of triple option fo- option football into more of a pro style look. They're going to recruit well. I think Jeff Collins is going to recruit well. I think he's going to be at Georgia Tech for a long time. Um, I think that's got the potential to be a good job. Now, are, are they going to get to the top of the ACC? I, I don't know. But I know that uh, the Atlanta metro area is a pretty good spot to, uh, to recruit to. The, the other thing is, I mean, maybe this goes without saying, but when you start naming the elite academic institutions in college football, you think about Duke, you think about Stanford, people mention Northwestern. I don't feel like Georgia Tech necessarily gets thrown into that. And I don't know if it's because they've had such good players through the years but you're talking about maybe the best engineering school in the country. It is hard school-wise, and you got to get guys there and keep them eligible. And that's not a place where they're just cycling people through for the sake of going 10-2 and at football. Are they the last team that's not a service academy to hire a coach to run the triple option? Well, I mean, Tulane did it with Willie Fritz a couple of years ago, didn't they? Although, did Borky, did Tulane run? Did, did they spread it out last night? Oh yeah, they're not running a triple option. But did wasn't Willie Fritz a triple option coach when he got the job at Tulane? Yes. Okay. Gotcha. He came from Southern Georgia, Georgia Southern. Southern. Yeah. 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 Uh, Clemson, eight starters back on the offensive side, only four starters back on the defensive side. But man, they have got some horses on that defense. Uh, you look at the uh, what was it the corner. Um, Oh goodness, they're good all over the place. They've got uh, they've got really good linebackers. Maybe Isaiah Simmons, uh, one of the best in the entire country, uh, kind of had that on display last night as well. Travis Etienne, twelve carries, two hundred five yards. That's an average of seventeen point one per carry. He had three touchdowns, including a ninety yard run, which uh, which helped the overall average. But here's the thing: if you take off one carry, take him to eleven carries, and you back ninety yards out. He still had 11 carries for 200, I'm sorry, 115 yards. It's still pretty good yards per carry average. I think you'll take that. If you take the monster run out of it. 
Not too shabby. I mean, they coast through the schedule, right? I mean, yeah, you got to show up, you got to play. A and M next they, week. Where do they get scared? Texas A and M next week. Okay, after that, going to Syracuse is not a walkthrough. Their quarterback's gotten hurt the last two times they played Syracuse, right? Yep. That is a uh, that is a true statement. After those three, it's Charlotte, North Carolina on the road. Um, open date before hosting Florida State. Got to go to Louisville, Boston College at home, Wofford at home at NC State, Wake Forest at South Carolina. They get past the next two, A and M and Syracuse. That's twelve and zero headed to the ACC championship game. Clemson, yep. team number one on the countdown of 100 teams in 100 days. Same version or different version? No, I, I didn't mean to do that. This is LSU's version, a little bit slower. They do. They, they slow it down a little bit. I think, I think I like Clemson's version of Tiger Rag better. Yeah, and the chant at the end of it, too, is better. Well, Y'all are way better at discerning fight songs than I am. All this sounds like the same stuff. Does it? <laughs> Tubas and trumpets. Uh, and it's quite drums. literally the same song, too. Well, yeah, I just meant in general. You know, like they, they all sound the same to you? Song, the exact same. You could play a hundred different ones and I couldn't tell you the difference. Like you couldn't identify Texas A&M's fight song? Um, no, but I could identify some of their other cult-like traditions. Sure. Milkman, <laughs> milk you, you could. Oh, come on. Probably not the fight song. we got to get you up to uh, speed on that. Uh, let's get ourselves up to speed right now, though, on high school football. Week two begins tonight in the state of Mississippi. When we finish up here on Sports Talk Mississippi, you've got the high school football preview show. And uh, then tonight, uh, back in its 24th consecutive year, the Mississippi Farm Bureau High School scoreboard show on uh, Super Talk Mississippi and streaming online at supertalk.fm. Will East and Steven Gagliano join us as they do on Fridays. What's up, boys? What's going on? How you guys doing? Really good. <laughs> really good. Football last night, football tonight, tomorrow, Sunday, and Monday, and then we're three days away from the start of the NFL. I'm, I'm real good right now. I'm here for it. Yeah, no, uh, <laughs> no question about that. What do we need to be looking out for tonight? Uh, there's some good games in the state of Mississippi. Uh, you've got uh, Little Brown Jug Bowl, uh, okay. the battle for Little Brown Jug. You've got Little Egg Bowl and a Little Legend about a skunk all going on tonight. Okay. <laughs> what Let's, was that uh, last one? The, a skunk. The skunk Bowl. <laughs> skunk Bowl. Baldwin, Boonville. It's one of my most favorite stories uh the 2012 game between baldwin and boonville that made national news when a skunk nearly ran the football team off the field i mean let's just this is what happened they ran the football team off the field it got into the stands and then when they finally got order back on the field uh one of the teams i can't remember which one it was uh got a pick six and won the game uh so it was it's this crazy story but anyway i'll tell you about it on the scoreboard preview show i got the audio from it too so i'll go through all that was you it ever just been sprayed by a skunk? chaos no i was actually wondering if the winning team got a skunk uh no <laughs> can you uh, eat skunk but we do have a golden chicken trophy i think that's okay. forrest and morton that's in a few weeks and then there's also a possum bowl and that is lloyd star and bogachita and i don't know if they award an actual possum in that one or maybe a statue of a possum <laughs> i don't know what the deal is that one's got a weird story too behind it that's that's kind of it it's it's weird in a in a in a creepy way, uh, but I'll tell you that in a few weeks. But uh, yeah, so I don't know if they actually get a skunk. They should. They should. <laughs> All right. So you mentioned Little Egg Bowl. Um, Oxford beats Northwest Rankin in Week One. 
Oxford's pretty good. Northwest Rankin may have taken a step back this season. Starkville loses to Brandon. We think Starkville's pretty good, and we know Brandon is pretty good. So what do we make of this matchup tonight in Starkville with Oxford and and, uh, Starkville High? Well, Oxford hasn't won a little Egg Bowl since, I think, the first game of this series back in 2013. So Oxford is kind of on the upswing. You know, they had a kind of one of those quietly good years last year. They lost three games last year, one to Madison Central in the playoffs, one to Starkville, and one to, I think, eventual 6A state champ Horn Lake. Other than that, they were dang good, uh, Oxford was. And they returned a lot of players from that team from last year. On offense, you got J.J. Pegues, four-star player. And then on defense, they got a uh, a linebacker by the name of Dude Person. That's <laughs> his name, Dude team. Person. <laughs> you uh, you got to like that. Uh, you got to like that a lot. Uh, Oxford's quarterback is committed to the uh, Naval Academy. Um, his older brother, Conry Marr, played there and um why can i not think of his first name is it jack jack moore anyway does it take a while to get adjusted when you bump up a classification how many years process is that usually it sounds like oxford's doing better now than they were maybe a year or two ago because they haven't been in very long this is only oxford's second year in 6a so last year was the first year i was thinking it was another year before never mind different teams adjust and you have some teams that will go down and go back up like olive branch was a 6a school two or three years ago they got bumped down to 5a now they're back up to 6a it just depends uh you know starville has dominated this series like we said but they're 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 trying to get back on track right now they just had some some crazy mistakes last week they they fumbled on the one yard line down by seven or down by six mm-hmm. um to to lose that game against brandon so they're just looking to get back on track right now who had the most impressive win in the entire state in week one i'd probably say west point yeah. Uh, taking on Horn Lake, the defending 6A state and champs. just throttled them, didn't they? Exactly, yeah, 34-6. And, of course, uh, Horn Lake lost N'Kobe Dean, but they've still got some great players on that defense, a couple of Ole Miss commits. And for West Point to, to go in there and, like you said, throttle them 34-6, uh, that was incredible. Now, Brandon, quarterback has committed to Mississippi State, right? Yeah, Will Rogers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, he's really, really talented. The game tonight between Madison Central and Brandon, the the key matchup is going to be Will Rogers at quarterback for Brandon versus a very young secondary for Madison Central. Madison Central has a talented defense, but their secondary is probably their weakest part of that defense. How good is Madison Central? Or do we feel like we know the answer to that question a little bit better after this game tonight? You know, year in, year out with Madison Central, we're like, well, you know, maybe they'll be good next year. And every year they go to the 6A North title game. Uh, they don't advance to the to the actual 6A state championship game, but they make it to that, that North half title game. So you're saying every next year they're pretty good? Every next year they're pretty good. Uh, th- if, if there was a year, it's this year. Jimmy Holiday may be the fastest player in the state of Mississippi at quarterback for Madison Central, and they've got the biggest offensive line you've ever seen on a high school football team. Their, their offensive line is probably bigger than Ole Miss, maybe Mississippi State. I kid you and, not. And and the thing is, I was listening to uh, to JT is that we were driving home from Colin last week, and and kind of listening to them, to them describe Jimmy Holiday, it just looks and sounds and feels effortless for him. He, he's not just fast, will, but he's smooth and fast. He just kind of glides along and can just. I, I've never seen a player that can cut as fast. He cuts so fast that you know a lot of these high school players just can't keep up with him. 
Stephen, give me a game in the Pine Belt and a game on the coast that uh, that we're looking forward to tonight. Let's see. Well, Pine Belt, you got to go battle for the little brown yeah, jug. That's what okay. I was. That was the one I wrote down for uh, for that area. It's the ninety eighth meeting between the two. Hattiesburg has actually won five straight, but uh, but Laurel got off to a good start last week with a comeback win over Poplarville, I believe. And Hattiesburg actually only uh, scored, I think, twelve points in their loss in week one. So I think this might be the year that uh, that Laurel snaps that losing streak. Will, am I crazy, or is it this game that I remember that a couple of years ago, just an insane uh, ending? All right, here's the scene. Hattiesburg okay. is down. Is this 30, two years ago? It's No, it's been like three or four years ago okay. now. But Hattiesburg's down Hattiesburg's down like 32-6 to six with four minutes left in the game. 32-6 to six with four minutes left in the game. They come back and win 34-32. to 32. <laughs> I don't even know mathematically how that's possible. Yeah, it doesn't seem like that was a, a very good sequence for Laurel at the uh, end of the game. Any uh, Anything on the coast that uh, that jumps out at you tonight? Uh, I'd say probably Diaberville and Picayune. Uh, Picayune is – they didn't play last week. This will be their first game of the season. Diaberville had a win over, if I'm not mistaken, Jefferson Davis County where they shut out Jefferson Davis County. Uh, P. I'd say Picayune probably in, in 5A South is the team to beat this year. Uh, Hattiesburg looks like they're kind of rebuilding, reloading, uh, uh, rebuilding versus reloading. Uh, I think Picayune's a team to beat in 5A South this year. But Diaberville, 6A school uh, that has been probably the most consistent of those 6A schools on the coast. Picayune, there's a chance they're going to run the ball, right? Yeah, I said the Maroon Tide's going to run just, the ball. Just kind of going out on a limb there. Uh, you know, one of the, the teams that is committed to the run and has uh, has never shied away from it and uh, consistently good team for a uh, for a really long time. All right, anything else? So we're previewing the rivalry games tonight uh, with the preview show? Previewing the rivalry games tonight uh, on the preview show starting at 6 p.m. And then uh, if you want to listen to a game, of course, you can tune into your Super Talk Mississippi station. Uh, we've got games all across the state. If you want to listen to them online, go to supertalk.fm slash high school. They're all located there. And if you want to keep up with live up-to-the-minute scores, go to supertalk.fm slash scores. Throughout the year, you can find all the scores as they happen in real time right there. And then the uh, scoreboard show after it all wraps up. Get started tonight, Stephen, at 10 o'clock. And you guys will go until uh, kickoff in uh, New Orleans and Memphis tomorrow, right? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. May not take it quite that long, but uh, scoreboard show gets started with you at 10 o'clock tonight on Super Talk Mississippi. All right, guys, uh, go take a quick nap. Uh, you've got work to do here in just a little while. <laughs> Sounds good. That is Stephen Gagliano hosting the Mississippi Farm Bureau scoreboard show, and uh, Willie's hosting the preview show when Sports Talk Mississippi wraps up with you on this Friday. We are back after this in the Renaissance Bank studio, live from the Chancellor's House Hotel on the Square in Oxford. We'll take a closer look at Ole Miss and Mississippi State in their games tomorrow against Memphis and Louisiana, respectively. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi on this Friday afternoon. Richard Cross and Brian Scott Rippey from the Chancellor's House Hotel in Oxford. Michael Borky is in the studio. So, Borky, you want to circle back to an idea from years gone by. 
Yeah, from 2017. I don't know if you remember that we did this uh, all year long, the, the two questions thing. By the way, I wanted to slip this in here. I forgot to uh, put it in the show notes. Over the last 24 hours, both the Ole Miss-Memphis line and Mississippi State-Louisiana line have dropped a point or more yep. in the last 24 hours. You can get uh, Ole Miss plus four in some places now. It was five and a half yesterday. And the Mississippi State line in some places is down all the way to 18 I locked it in at, at 19 earlier today, but point, point and a half, maybe two points in some books in the last 24 hours for those two games. Yeah, and I mean, if if you want to, if you're looking to take Ole Miss, you may want to jump on it or wait and see if it slides back a little bit, but that tells you some pretty significant money has come in on Ole Miss in the last 24 hours, and I guess tells you that some pretty significant money has come in on Louisiana. Uh, and the points. Uh, I, I just look. I, I know yesterday, um, Lee Sterling picked Mississippi State to win, but but he had it like thirty-four to twenty or something like that. We're going to talk to Bruce Marshall a little bit later this uh, this afternoon. I chatted with Bruce earlier today, and uh, he kind of was leaning in that direction of of Mississippi State winning, but not winning by enough. Guys, I got to be honest with you. I don't see that, and I don't know what the reason is that the um, kind of the national guys, the national odds makers or handicappers are looking at this game. If they see something that we don't see, it, it, it's almost like it, it's one of those situations where either they're just not close enough to realize what's going on or we're too close enough to not recognize what's going on. It's one or the other. Well, their deal involves math, doesn't it? What do you mean? Like their algorithms or whatever that tells them what to pick the game and how to like what unit to make it and all that. Like, I, I don't know the answer to that. I mean, so so you don't think these guys are handicapping games the way they used to? You think it's all numbers and algorithm based? I don't know about all, but I figured they. I thought they you would have to have some kind of like number or system as far as to how to like unit it or handicap it. It, it kind of sounds like Bruce uses something like that because he'll come up with some very random score numbers. That that makes me think that he's putting it, in, and I guess that's something we can ask him down the road. But sometimes he'll come up with like, you know, thirty-one to nineteen. And it's like, well, how do you get to <laughs> you get to that score? Sure. So I assume he's doing some kind of math. But well, and you remember that's why I always ask that because he would say we're projecting it at sure. Well, they've they've also got a group of guys uh, that are at Gold Sheet, and they have kind of an editorial meeting early in the week, and they come to a, a consensus on the uh, the plays for Gold Sheet, and then put those out there. Um, may not do it today, but we'll uh, we'll talk with Bruce some about the uh, the process uh, going forward. Lee Sterling, for example, you remember last year Borky when he had the the really big hundred unit play, uh, and he advertised that he's never lost one of those seven and zero or something like that, and. He talked to me some about just how nerve-wracking it is to put out a play like that where you're you're making individually that big of a play and you're encouraging all of your uh, subscribers to make that type of play as well. And he said that there were seven to nine pieces of, of data, of criteria that he looks at when he is picking a game. And the the one particular game that he had last year where he went that big, he went that 100-unit play, Dolphins-Packers. Well, that's exactly what the game was. Uh, and all seven pieces of the criteria fit. Um, and he had to sit back and was nervous for a little while, but he won it. Was it 
The, the play was on the Packers, is it right? I believe so. Yeah. I think that's what it was as well. So, all right, Borky, so uh, you want me to ask the questions or do you want, want uh, to ask the questions? Uh, I'll do it. Just, you know, for some nostalgia's sake, Ole Miss absolutely has to blank if they want to beat Memphis in the Liberty Bowl tomorrow. We did this last year. Did we do it last year? Yeah, I don't know if we did it every game, but I remember you asking me this a couple of times. Okay. And me being like, I don't have an answer. Um, anyway, <laughs> I got an answer for you this week. Okay. Brand. Um, yeah, I guess it is on brand. Protect Matt Corral. I know that sounds simplistic, but if the offensive line doesn't block Matt Corral, nothing else really matters, right? If they don't do that and they can't run the ball, it doesn't matter how the defense plays. Doesn't, nothing else really matters in this thing, right? Yeah, I think ultimately where I would go there is it comes down to offensive line play also, but I was going to go run the ball. I mean, you, you look at that win that Ole all Miss had uh, against Texas Tech a year ago. They go 47-27 in the season opener and played really well in that game. Yes, there was a kickoff return for touchdown, but Scotty Phillips went for over 200 yards in that game. He was really good in the season opener, and if the running game is successful, it just sets everything else to, to be a little bit better because they should be able to control the clock a little bit more if they're able to run it successfully. It should open up the play-action pass. It should loosen up the defense a little bit on the outside and create some opportunities in the passing game. So I think that's where it starts. If Ole Miss wants to win, they want to beat Memphis tomorrow, they absolutely have got to be able to run the football. Fair enough. I, I guess from the other side, just to add another angle, is force Brady White to beat you? Because I think if you can't score on Memphis's defense, then you're not really going to score on anybody. Uh, so just chalking that up to the understanding that I think they will have success offensively by default, considering how rough Memphis was on that side of the ball, at least in the secondary last year, if you can force Brady White to beat you, if you're not getting gashed on the ground, I think you're going to win that football game. The second question, Ole Miss absolutely cannot do blank if they want to beat Memphis in the Liberty Bowl tomorrow. Turn it over three times. That's a good one. Um, you know, the, 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 if you go into a game going, oh, you can't turn over the football and win, that's just not true. I mean, turnovers are part of the game. You make a bad throw, defense makes a great play, you have a guy get stripped. But you can't go out and turn it over three or four or five times and expect to win this game. Because Memphis's offense is good, they're going to be able to run the ball, they're going to throw it some, they're going to put some points on the board. If you give away possessions and you create an environment where Memphis can score easily, then Ole Miss will not win the football game. I got a double negative for you. Can't not generate a pass rush. Okay. Give that dude all day to throw. Doesn't make a lot of mistakes. Doesn't take a ton of chances, but he'll pick you apart. Death by paper cut. So. I, feel, I feel like you, you backdoored your way into using that. What? Like with the way the, fresh, the question was phrased, you had to double negative your way into being able to using that. Yeah, I did. Can't not generate a pass rush. Yeah, there you go. There the you edge go. position is going to be fascinating in this game. All right, Borky, what else? Uh, Mississippi State absolutely has to. This is probably a very easy answer, but Mississippi State has to do what if they want to win tomorrow? Uh, are you not going to read what you actually wrote? Because I actually oh. I, I thought it made <laughs> Avoid sense. Avoid embarrassment yeah. on Saturday. Um, it, it feels almost too obvious to go the Tommy Stevens route. But any Tommy Stevens to be good, he doesn't have to go out and throw for 400 yards. But he needs to be comfortable. 
he needs to be able to get them in the right play, although I don't think there's a ton of checking at the line in Joe Moorhead's offense. I think Joe's kind of let us in on that a little bit. He needs to be able to distribute the ball. you got to have guys actually catch the ball and you know, just play a clean game. Mississippi State is better and they are more talented than the Cajuns. That's just the bottom line. And they need Tommy Stevens to develop some confidence out of the gate, and they need that confidence to grow over the first three or four weeks of the season because it gets significantly more difficult in the middle portion of the year. Anything you'd add on that one, Borky? Uh, yeah, don't get gashed. Uh, you're replacing some guys on the defensive line. The only way that ULL can make this game kind of interesting, again, I think I said on Monday or Tuesday, their ceiling should be in this game a close game halfway through the second quarter, and that should be the ceiling. But if you let them run on you a little bit, trying to figure out who goes where on the defensive line and replacing some guys and stuff like that, you've got also going to have to rely on some young pieces there as well. If ULL can run on you some and give themselves some kind of belief, that would not be a good look against a team that you beat 56-10 to 10 a year ago. Yeah. No, I... Uh... I can get on board with that. And then they absolutely cannot do what if they want to avoid embarrassment tomorrow? Other than lose the game, we got a couple of texts already. Score more point than the other one. Yeah, no, yeah, I, we know that. I, I'm with you. Um, I, I think they can't allow Louisiana Lafayette to get too comfortable because that's a team that, that – that, gained some confidence and got better as the season went along a year ago. They've got three guys that could really run it. They've got a quarterback that can hurt you with his legs. I don't know that he can hurt you with his arm. Uh, Levi, is it Levi Johnson or Levi Lewis? Levi's his first name, uh, regardless. So I I don't think you can allow this game to just kind of hang around and hang around and hang around, and then you're in the state of Louisiana, and you're in the Dome, and that crowd kind of gets going a little bit, and it becomes uncomfortable. I think Mississippi State kind of needs to to be putting this one away as they head toward the uh, the second-half locker room. Don't think you, uh, you can afford to uh, allow Louisiana Lafayette to just hang around and get a little bit more confidence as it goes. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. Renaissance Bank Studio. More coming up from the Chancellor House Hotel when we come back. Clock hour with you, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming online at supertalk.fm. Glad to have you along, Richard Cross, Brian Scott Rippey. Brian Haydad will join us from New Orleans coming up in just a little bit, and Michael Borky in the studio. I think Steven's hanging out in the studio as well, so we've got a big crew today. Good to be with you. Sports Talk brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank, online at mslandbank.com, Mississippi Land Bank where they know the lay of the land. If you've got land financing needs of any kind, Mississippi Land Bank can help. They have been financing and refinancing land for over 100 years. And if you're thinking about building a house in the country, well, Mississippi Land Bank is the way to go. They understand the uh, the intricacy that goes along with that particular type of loan. They can walk you through it and help you with it, certainly in building that dream home. MSLandBank.com. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. Yesterday, your Pearl River Resort, Golden Moon Casino, Sportsbook at Timeout Lounge pick of the day, that's a mouthful, was uh, Utah minus six. Another winner 
Cha-ching. That's 4-0 this week. You did have that, uh, what was it, extra point early on where it was like. Oh, yeah, there was, there was like, concern. Yeah, I mean, if you have any scar tissue at all, it's like that's coming back to bite me. Yep, later. No, uh, no question uh, whatsoever. But uh, it worked out okay. And uh, so I got a final just standalone pick for you this week. Uh, I feel really good about this one be to try and finish out a 5-0 uh, a and o week. It's a big number, uh, but I'm going to lay the 22-and-a-half for Georgia as the road favorite in Nashville tomorrow night over Vanderbilt, and that is to try and go 5-0 and o this week. Now, who knows? Maybe it blows up in my face. Maybe it's too obvious. I, I don't know. I really like Georgia. I think Vanderbilt may be okay offensively. Not sure about them on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, I think it's going to be a Georgia team that comes out focused, uh, start of a big year for Jake Fromm, uh, DeAndre Swift, the uh, the whole crew. That's a uh, that's a good football team, and I nobody's going to come out and say this, but I guarantee you the folks at Georgia have taken notice of the fact that Alabama has had two big injuries on the defensive side of the ball, and it's not a crack in the armor, it's not a chink in the armor, whatever, but it's a concern. And Georgia has been so close in each of the last two years to knocking off Alabama in the SEC championship game, but just couldn't quite make the play. You take out two really good linebackers, maybe that's the difference in winning and losing that ball game. So I'll lay the 22 and a half for Georgia on the road in Nashville tomorrow night, where there will be, what, minimum 20,000 Georgia fans at that game? Probably more. Have you seen the prices? The price comparison between that and Alabama Duke? No, what have we got? The get-in price, at least the one I saw this morning, was over $300 for Georgia Vanderbilt. Are you serious? 18 bucks for uh, Alabama Duke. What's Vanderbilt Stadium hold? 40000 40. And you think half it'll be Georgia? At least. I'm guessing 75%. But will it be full, I guess, was the wagon. Every seat will be full all. because of Georgia fans. Every seat. If oh. the get-in-the-door price is $300, then absolutely it'll be a hard sellout. So it may be more than 20000 Could Could very well be. Uh, could very well be when it's, uh, when it's all said and done. So that'll be a cool environment tomorrow night. And by the way, that game has been moved to ESPN. Originally was on SEC Network. But because Florida State, uh, Florida State, Boise State got moved out of Tampa to Tallahassee and they're kicking it off at 11 o'clock Central on ESPN News – there was an open spot in the uh, Saturday night primetime game, so they moved that over. So if you want to watch Georgia Vandy tomorrow night, it will be on ESPN. All right, Borky, do we uh, do we need to uh, make some picks? We need to make some picks. We'll call this the college football fix driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. The hurry up and save sales event ends on September 3rd. That means you've got three days left to take advantage of the great deals on Ford cars, trucks, vans, and SUVs. You can test drive one today at your local Mississippi Ford dealer. Our picks, our college football SEC picks, are brought to you every week during the season by the Sportsbook at Timeout Lounge. When you're thinking about taking a trip, think about the Golden Moon Casino, the Pearl River Resort in Philadelphia. We were there yesterday, had a blast. You've got the golf course. You've got the great restaurants. You've got the gaming. You've got the sportsbook. You've got the water park. You've got live concerts. Everything you could want for a weekend getaway closer than you think in Philadelphia, Mississippi. Our picks... What are we going to do here? We're doing SEC teams only? That's what you guys wanted to do last year. I would prefer another way, like top 25. But if you want to do all SEC, I'm in. 
Should we make an exception for the first couple weeks because there's so many bad games? Like, can we do SEC only when you get no, in? No, the- you just got to pick uh, against big numbers. Okay. I mean, the line's the line. The, the lines are adjusted for bad games, theoretically. No, I, I followed that much. It's just. Yeah. All right. Uh, roll through. Toledo is plus 11.5 at Kentucky. I will, uh, I'll take Toledo on the, uh, the points side of things. Kentucky. You got Kentucky? Borky? Yeah, I'll go Kentucky as well, even though they're replacing uh, damn near everybody. I think I'd have done Toledo if it had gotten like 14 and a half or so, but yeah. Kentucky. 11 and a half's not good enough for you? Not quite. Plus 33 and a half. That uh, is how many points Duke is getting against Alabama. Uh, I'm going to have to be proven wrong by Alabama with a big number in one of these early games before I'm willing to go the other way. That is a big number, but I will lay the points for the Crimson Tide. Duke. Okay. Yeah, I'll take Alabama. Good linebackers, bad linebackers, doesn't matter. They'll win by five touchdowns. South Carolina is an 11-point favorite in Charlotte against North Carolina. Um, One that started at like seven. Yeah, it's, it's moved pretty rapidly. Can, can I go back and get it at seven? I'm a whole lot more comfortable at seven than I am at 11 in this game. I think I'm taking Phil Longo at 11 and a half. Are you really? Yeah. 11 is the number we're using. 11. Okay. Borky, where are you going? Uh, South Carolina. The combination of uh, an offense that will be at the bottom of college football in time of possession paired with a new defensive coordinator who last year, although a very good Army defense, only had to face about 40 plays a game. Not a great combination. True freshman quarterback. South Carolina's got the veteran leadership, the better, at least, defensive coordinator versus offensive coordinator. Uh, I'll take South Carolina. Y'all just hadn't seen the other 40%. The Mac Brown factor. What's that <laughs> worth? I mean, this guy won a national championship, didn't he? Something like Yeah, that. when I was two. Oh, goodness. This is like a flip a coin game for me. Are you keeping up, by the way, with these, Borky? Uh, yes, I will. Okay. Oh, we doing like a season-long thing here? Yes, yeah, we are. We are. Okay. Yeah. I'll lay the points. I'll, I'll take South Carolina and give up the 11. Tennessee, a 27-point favorite at home against Georgia State. I like Tennessee. Big number, I know, but I like Tennessee. Tennessee. Yeah, Georgia State's bad. Give me the Vols. Four touchdowns, easy. I've What's already... your scouting report on Georgia State? They're bad. Okay. <laughs> it was an in-depth and detailed scouting report. They I were like bad he... a year ago. They're going to be bad this year. Tennessee will be better, just by default. He added more than we did. Yeah. Uh, Georgia laying the 22 and a half. I've already given you that as my pick of the day, so uh, clearly going to stick with Georgia against Vandy. Georgia. Uh, this game's tough because, I mean... Okay, go ahead and jump out on that Commodore anchor down wagon. I'm not going to, but could you uh, see 35-14? Because I could see 35-14. I don't see Vanderbilt holding Georgia to 35. Now. Yeah, that's a really good point. So I'm going to take Georgia, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's a little funky early. Jump on that anchor down wagon there, big boy. Oh, they covered a bunch of spreads last year, man. LSU minus 27.5 at home against Georgia Southern. What was the number? 27 and a half. I will take Georgia Southern plus the 27 and a half. Georgia Southern. I'm going to regret that, I think. I don't think so because how many times have you seen, heard LSU's open it up this year, run the spread offense? Even if they try to do that, there's probably going to be some kinks. Could very well be the case. Borky, what are you doing I here? like your line, your lines of thinking, but I'm going to have to take LSU. Well, you're just trying to stay on Quinn's good side because you want some Saints tickets. Well, it works out for me. I'm contradicting myself, though, because if Joe Burrow sucks, I'm never going to hear the end of it from Hey Dad. Yeah. I, um, 
Here's a spoiler. He doesn't suck. Hey, here, here, LSU may very well end up covering this number, but it's going to be late when they do it. And I just feel like there's a chance that Georgia Southern, they're still, still an option team, can kind of slow down the game a little bit, can possibly extend some possessions. I, you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll see how it all plays out. I'll, I'll stick, though, with the, uh, the plus 27.5 for Georgia Southern. Oregon uh, is an underdog against Auburn in Dallas, plus four, the number four, Oregon. I'm taking the Auburn Tigers with their freshman quarterback laying the four points. Okay, Lou Holtz, Oregon. Uh, I'm going to go Auburn. Are you? Quack, quack, give me the Ducks. They're going to the playoff. Borky, you're going to have to write these down because I forgot two-thirds of mine. Well, these are recorded, so we're all good. Missouri giving up 17.5 at Wyoming. I think Missouri, but I don't feel great. Um, War Memorial Stadium in Laramie is sold smack dab out. Missouri's going to be good this year, uh, but it's going to be closer than that. I'll take Wyoming plus the 17 and a half. I'll take Missouri. All right. Ole Miss plus four and a half at Memphis. I will take the Rebels in this one. Oh, gosh. Uh, four and a half Memphis. Really? Yeah. Okay. I think it's either I think either Ole Miss either wins it outright or Memphis wins it going away, so I'll go Memphis. Forky? Uh, I'll take Ole Miss with the points. I think the running game will uh, be successful tomorrow. And then I will comfortably give up the 19 points and take Mississippi State in their game against Louisiana Lafayette. Same here. Date. Those are your picks brought to you by the Golden Moon Casino, the sportsbook at Timeout Lounge. Glad to have you along on this Friday afternoon. We've been Mississippi-based for the last two and a half hours. Let's shift our focus south to Louisiana. New Orleans in particular. That's where Brian Haydad is meandering his way through the streets of New Orleans. Have you been to Bourbon Street yet? All right, what are, what are we doing on the guest thing? We keep having uh, Haydad, are you there? Hey, Dad, are you there? Yeah. What's up, man? Hey, what's up? Do you have a hurricane in your hand? No, I do not. No. <laughs> have you been to Have you been to Pat O's yet? Have I been? No. Have you been to Pat O'Brien's, the piano bar? No, I'm, in my life, yes, but no, I haven't been today. No, I'm, I'm in today. Have you taken part in any of the Decadence Festival activities today? Uh, I had a very decadent lunch, but other than that, no. What did you eat for lunch? Uh, we went to Mahoney's. I had uh, some, some debut fries, some etouffee, and uh, oyster shrimp po' boy. It was good. Nice. Any dessert? No dessert, no. no, no. Why? <laughs> I just Ricky. didn't feel like dessert. I hear you. So what's uh, what's the scene in New Orleans? Obviously, that's a spot that we all know and we all love. Great restaurants, great town. I know it tends to come a little more to life at night than uh, perhaps mm-hmm. in the daytime. Uh, so what's it like? Any, any Bulldog fans floating around? I've seen some red and white as, as we were as I was driving around uh, earlier today, running into a, a few people here and there. I saw a lot of Mississippi you know, tags coming into New Orleans on the drive down. And my Uber driver actually said that she 
pick up some MSU fans uh, prior to uh, to picking me up. So it looks like some Bulldog fans have definitely made their way down here. We'll see how they end up with tickets and head into the game uh, tomorrow. Yeah, did uh, did you have an interesting encounter with your Uber driver, a la Brian Scott Rippey? No, I tend to be nice to the Uber drivers. So. I am nice to the Uber drivers. They are nice to me. Ah, uh, that, that's debatable. <laughs> well, hold on. Have you ever been in an Uber with Rippy to uh, to be able to confirm that he's actually not nice to his drivers? Most Ubers love him. I, I just listen to the stories he tells and all these issues he has with him. I have to assume something's going on. And, you know, fool me, shame on on me. Yeah. I mean, that guy, that guy loved me enough to bust my balls twenty four hours after meeting me. Yeah, he was he was good and mad, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. Why is it that this keeps happening to you, though? Well, I have this theory that weird stuff tends to happen to me and keeps getting proven true. Why? Why is that? Were you were you the kid that got in trouble as a kid? Like you you couldn't not get caught? No, I was a pretty good son. Really? I don't want to speak for my mom. You're speaking for your dad? <laughs> I don't want to speak for either of my parents. Um, yeah, I don't know. No, it's not like a trouble thing, just weird stuff. Like what? You know, the Uber encounter. Um, yeah, we've already established those. I, I'm looking for other examples. I swallowed a bee that stung my tonsils when I was eight for that Arkansas 7 overtime game and got like almost OD'd on Benadryl to get the swelling to go down and stayed up for all seven overtimes. It was in a Coke I was drinking. It stung my tonsils. I could go all day. We got to do another segment. Your mom's a lawyer, right? Yes. Somebody could have been sued for that, surely. Are you going to sue the bee? It was just in a Coke can I was drinking. Were you at the game? Yeah. It was in the Grove. Oh, it was in the Grove. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, Fair enough. Hey, Dad, give me some final thoughts on this Mississippi State game. We went through the, the little exercise of, you know, what's got to happen in order for them to win. What's the one thing you can't do uh, to, to not lose in this game? I, I don't know if that's the most prudent thing, but when you look at this game, what's the most important thing for us to watch for Mississippi State? Uh, is he in his hotel where maybe we could call his hotel room? Uh, I'll check with him, but yeah, he just uh, he just sent me a message that his, that his call dropped. That was the problem at the beginning too. Um, just doesn't okay. have service for some reason. All right, glad we uh, glad we could have that work out exactly the way that it was supposed to. Uh, certainly, uh, good stuff. Uh, Wouldn't it be for state for someone who doesn't cover state not to let Louisiana score a couple times early and actually kind of feel like they've established anything? Yeah, and that's kind of where I was going with that earlier. Was the you know the idea of not allowing Louisiana Lafayette to feel too terribly comfortable. Yeah, that's such a cliched thing, though, but it's probably true because State's supposed to be dropping, like not a drop-off in defense, but still a drop-off, but still supposed to be a top-25 defense. If they could show that early, I think that'd probably go a long way in making that thing not close. Yeah, no no doubt. I mean, let's say you want to give State the ball first. You want to, Let's say they, they kick off. They win the toss, defer, the kick off, get a three and out, drive down, score. Louisiana Lafayette gets it back. So they turn it over and store, score. And then you have one of these, like, 11-play, 70-yard drives, and boom, it's 21 to nothing. You're eight minutes in. That feels kind of like a recipe to, for disaster for Lafayette. Hey, Dad, if you won the toss, would you want the ball if you were State? Hey, Dad, I don't know if you heard Rippy uh, or not. He said if uh, if you won the coin toss, would you take the ball? All right, just, would, would, just would, forget it. Just we'll, we'll talk on Monday. Would you? 
Uh, no, I would uh, I you, would defer. You let the defense go? Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Absolutely would. Now, when I was playing, I wanted the ball. It's like, hey, let's set the tone right out of the gate. You could throw but it over the mountains. Th- there was a there was a running joke a year ago that, like, as the season went along, like I you know I always go out to midfield for the coin toss before the game and hope to stick the microphone up next to the referee or whatever. And it kind of got to the point where before the game, I'd be like, hey guys, I don't know if Ole Miss is going to win the toss or lose the toss here, but I'm going to go ahead and go out on a limb and say Ole Miss is going to get the ball first because if Ole Miss won the toss, which didn't happen very often last year they were going to take the football. And if the other team won the toss, they were going to defer. And so it was like, you know, whatever. Phil Longo wanted the ball. I was just thinking stupid brain line of thinking. If your state, or well, you take the ball, prove how much your offense has improved. If you score a touchdown, all you got to do is get one more one stop out of your defense, and then if you can go down and go again, it's one last time your defense has to get a stop. I just love I, – I think there's value to getting the ball first in the second half because you can always potentially, if you can manage the clock right uh, correctly. The two-for-one. To, to, to me, it's almost like a two-for-one in basketball. If you can get the last possession of the first half, get points on the board, and then get the first possession of the second half – it's just – it's like a backbreaker. I mean, you, you can erase a two-score deficit in the blink of an eye if you play it out that way. Borky, how many touches does Kylan Hill have to get to satisfy you? Uh, well, it depends. You know, 47. Be- <laughs> it's got to uh, be at least 20. Well, but not in this game, though. It depends. If this game is close early, then you give him the football until it runs away with it. But I don't know if you want to give Kylan Hill 25 carries in a game that you win by 25 points, if that makes sense. That's fair. Ask me again when Kentucky comes to town. That's more of the litmus test of of Kylan Hill and his usage in this offense. But if they're winning this game by a bunch, uh, put them in bubble wrap and keep them on the sideline. Yeah, I certainly agree on uh, on that front. And, you know, for Mississippi State, this is – you know, it's kind of a slow build for uh, for this Mississippi State team. They they go on the road for game one, then they're back home for Southern Miss, and that one could be tricky, and then Kansas State in week three, and then they get into SEC play. So theoretically, it's, it's almost like a building block schedule for Mississippi State. You know, if you want to rank those first four in order of difficulty, it's one through four. It's Louisiana Lafayette, and then Southern Miss, and then Kansas State out of the Big 12, and then you get to an SEC game. And so – getting a little bit better. I really like the way Mississippi State's schedule sets up for them this year. It's a schedule that is tailor-made to get to the postseason. Now, you've still got to go out and do it. You've got to go out and win those ball games, but it is set up for them to make it to, what, their seventh consecutive bowl game? I think that's, uh, that's the number. You want to be part of the show, you can text us on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. Again, 601-879-4395. Don't miss out on the latest deal from C Spire. Buy a top smartphone on C Spire's nationwide LTE network and get one free. That's right, buy one of the top smartphones and get a second one free from C Spire, only available for a limited time. C Spire, customer inspired. I'd love to look at some different angles on the Mississippi State-Louisiana Lafayette game. Louisiana, what I, I can't stop it. G-O-L. What, what other angle is there, though? I mean, th- this, is, this is the classic, traditional, if you're still talking about Mississippi State's game Did I make this up to against the Cajuns issue? on Monday, then something went horribly wrong. Do they have a kicker, kicker controversy? I don't know if it's a controversy or not, but Jace Chrisman is not listed as the, uh, as the starter. 
He no. misses a couple that could. I mean, that not something that hurts you in that game, but if you see, if it particularly is not close, you can like see. You know, he misses a couple. That's something to watch down the line. That's about the only other angle I got. Very good. When we come back, we're going to visit with Bruce Marshall from the Gold Sheet. Third, third or fourth consecutive year uh, that we've had our conversations with Bruce. Look forward to uh, jumping in and talking him to him about some of the games that he likes involving SEC teams and uh, some of the national storylines. Sports Talk Mississippi, we will continue with you from the Chancellor's House Hotel on the Square in Oxford after this in the Renaissance Bank Studio. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming online at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Brian Scott Rippey, Brian Haydad, Michael Borky. Glad to have you along this afternoon and glad to be joined right now on the Farm Bureau phone line. Back for another season, Bruce Marshall from the Gold Sheet. This is a fun weekend, Bruce. Uh, I, I equated the, the games from last weekend, yesterday we were talking about it, to when Seattle and Oakland played in the Tokyo Dome. They actually counted in the standings, but it didn't feel like it was actually the start of the baseball season. feels like that's kind of what week zero it was, and now we've got the bunting, and we've got the pomp and circumstance, and we've got the football that everybody's excited about. Yeah, and that uh, well, that uh, that Florida Miami game didn't look like much of a game to me. That was sort of a street <laughs> a street fight. It looked like, but yeah, a little more uh, familiar uh, last uh, on the Thursday night games, and it's a pretty good card. You know, you look at it this week, and you know maybe there's only one or two really marquee games, but I think there's some interesting matchups, and we'll find out some more about a lot of these teams. Uh, and and the Ole Miss game is certainly right near the top of that list. But uh, it's an intriguing opening week, I think. Let's start with that game because when you look at the 11 o'clock games, that's one where you've got an AAC team that is favored over an SEC team. And both Ole Miss and Memphis have really got a lot of question marks. Bunch of new coaches on the Memphis coaching staff. Ole Miss with two coordinators. Both teams playing some pretty significant, uh, replacing some pretty significant players from uh, a year ago. But Memphis as the favorite. Yeah, and that's not a, a surprise. Uh, the way, you know, Ole Miss closed last year and uh, Memphis, uh, you know, another a pretty good uh, season, although it ended kind of disappointing. Uh, the, the defense really folded up down the stretch for Memphis. I mean, they blew more leads than the Mets bullpen the first half of the season. You saw that game <laughs> against UCF and the uh, AAC championship and then the bowl game against Wake Forest. It couldn't stop anybody. Now, this offense scored 42 points per game last year. Brady White is back. At quarterback, I think they'll be fine. It's the defense, which is the question there. But I think the big, well, the mystery and the X factor, not only in this game, Rich, but I think in the SEC, one of the big question marks this year is, you know, how much of an impact is Rich Rod going to have on this offense? It's a totally new offense. We talked about this in Hoover, and we've been talking about it all offseason. It's a big difference from the Phil Longo offense last year that spread the ball with Jordan Temu. This is Rich Rod. This is spread option. This is the stuff that he likes and that we saw last two years ago at Arizona when Khalil Tate became uh, peripheral Heisman Trophy threat. He's an outstanding offensive coordinator. Is Matt Corral up to it? Um, I guess we'll find out, but I think that's intriguing. And Rich Rod has done some of his best work uh, in, in, as an offensive coordinator in the past. So uh, that and with uh, Coach McIntyre now on, on the defensive side, I think Matt Luke has upgraded, uh, but it's going to be on his staff at least, but it's going to be a different style. And uh, Memphis has beaten Power Five teams in recent years of the Liberty Bowl, including you know Paxton Lynch beating Ole Miss a few years ago. So 
there's a track record of Memphis succeeding, but uh, the Rich Rod introduction really is an interesting X factor here. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic that it's going to work well for the Rebels. Interesting thought. Why has the number on this game moved? Memphis was about a touchdown favorite. It went to six and a half. Last I checked, it has moved to four and a half. So does that mean money coming in on Ole Miss that they didn't initially anticipate would be the case? I think so, yeah. I mean, to move it down off a key number, and it's been mostly, it keeps moving downward. So there's some Ole Miss buy pressure here, you know. Uh, I'd like to think we have something to do with that. I'm not sure. We made Ole Miss a key release this week, so maybe that has something to do with it, I hope. You... Uh, but, no, I think just the general public and large might need some more convincing on Memphis here. And um, and maybe it's just the knee-jerk reaction. You see an SEC team, an underdog, going into an AAC, even though it's a good AAC team, that the public maybe just has a hard time uh, you know, swallowing it. So that could something have something to do with it. But I, I think... You know, most people seem to think Rich Rod's going to make a positive impact with the Rebels, and that might have something to do with it as well. Bruce, you mentioned that it's a key release. Remind people where they can go to get uh, all of your picks and all that's going on at Gold Sheet. Thanks, Richard. Check us out online, goldsheet.com. We've got all the games for week one, kickoff week up there right now in the new issue. And next week, we introduce the NFL into the mix, and that's the way we go for the rest of the football season. That's up there, goldsheet.com. My picks there are also vegasinsider.com. Twitter at Bruce A. Marshall. All right, Mississippi State playing Louisiana, or Louisiana Lafayette, if you prefer. The Raging Cajuns in the Superdome. The number on this game has stayed steady for the last couple of months, and it's moved just in the last 24 hours down to 18 and a half, 19, kind of depending on where you look. What do you think about Mississippi State and Louisiana? You know, it, last year, the one thing Joe Moorhead did pretty well last year was uh, handle these big numbers, and uh, they were pretty good as a double-digit favorite last year. They had more trouble inside the SEC, but these sort of games they handled, including beating the Raging Cajuns 56-10 to when he had Nick Fitzgerald. Though I don't know that Fitzgerald worked as well in the Moorhead offense as they would have hoped. Right. There's thought that Tommy Stevens, the transfer from Penn State, where Moorhead coached Stevens earlier in his career, that Stevens will be able to execute some of the stuff that uh, that Moorhead wants a bit better than Fitzgerald did last year, but we will see. I think the more interesting here are the Raging Cajuns, who started to play much better as last season went on. Billy Napier got them to a bowl, which a lot of people didn't expect. Um, they've got all these running backs returning who gained all those yards last year. The quarterback played well late in the season, Lewis. So, I, you know, they'll, they'll split the crowd at the Superdome tomorrow, and I, I think this might be too many points for Mississippi State. We had a 35-17 Bulldogs. They'll win probably comfortably, but they got to win this thing by three touchdowns to cover that number, and that's asking a lot. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll see how that one plays out. I, I think maybe the, the biggest game, or at least the most attractive game of the opening weekend, I don't know if it is from a, a handicapping standpoint, but the one that the most eyeballs will be on is Auburn and Oregon. Oregon, obviously, with Justin Herbert coming back, uh, expected to be a potential first-round draft pick. And Auburn going to start a true freshman at quarterback in Bo Nix. But good gracious, that Auburn defense looks like it's going to be salty. Yeah, it does, It does, Richard. And especially that defensive front, uh, really, really robust. And so I think Auburn, maybe Utah, we saw them on a Thursday night. They might be two of the best defensive fronts in the country. So that'll make it tough on Herbert. Um, there's some interesting things here. Now, Gus is calling the plays again. He's back in his wheelhouse. And we saw him retake that responsibility for the 
um, Music City Bowl last year. It was at the Liberty Bowl uh, against against Purdue. I think it was Music City, and they routed Purdue in that yep. game. And this is Gus back in his wheelhouse. Now we had heard down in Hoover, all the Auburn people were saying they thought it might be Gatewood at quarterback or Nix, but either way, uh, not any experience, but they thought both those kids could execute what Gus wants, and they're very high on Nix. It's early in his career, but if he's as good as they say, um, he should be able to step in there right away. I don't know how good Oregon is, and all this hype, I, I hope it's not based on what they did last year, because if you look at it, that's a very soft 9-4. and four. Easy non-conference schedule, Portland State, Bowling Green, San Jose, all at home. They were only 5-4 and four in a very watered-down Pac-12 horrible bowl game against Michigan State, which was really struggling. It was only 7-6 to six in that game. And, um, listen, if a team that gets boat raced by Arizona loses uh, at home to Arizona State, whipped by Washington State, blows the lead against Stanford, that doesn't sound great to me. Uh, so I think this is a little overhype on Oregon. We made Auburn a key release in the gold sheet, 34-19. to 19. I'll take Ooh. SEC over Pac-12 any day. And one other note, this is not a bowl game. But it is a bowl-type game, high-profile intersectional. And in bowls the last three years, Pac-12, 3-19 and 19 against the point spread. So they've been a go-against in these sorts of games. Until otherwise, we'll stick with the trend against the Pac-12. i got to ask you about the game in Nashville tomorrow night. Originally, it was going to be on the SEC Network. It's been moved over to ESPN because of the shifting around related to uh, Hurricane Dorian and uh, Boise State, Florida State being moved. So Vanderbilt hosting Georgia you do this for a living. I don't. But as I look at this, I love Georgia in this game. Am I crazy? No. Uh, well, we're all kind of crazy, Richard. We well, maybe that, a little. But, uh, just a little. But, no, I think you're spot on here. Uh, and just look at the last two years. They've been pretty much the same game the last two years. We like Georgia here, too. It was 45-14 two years ago up here in Nashville, 41-13 last year, down between the hedges. Uh, and Georgia looks loaded. I mean, Jake Crum, we know how good he is. He's seen off two star quarterbacks. Justin Fields will be starting at Ohio State. Jacob Eason will be starting at Washington. They were both run off here by Fromm. That's how good he is. Uh, Kirby's loaded on both sides of the line of scrimmage. I don't think he'll miss some of the guys who've left. Uh, Swift, another one of his running backs. They got an army there, gained over 1,000 yards last year. Vandy, some of my people up there. Now, they've been talking to me. I'm trying to talk up Riley Neal to me, the quarterback, but I watched this kid at Ball State from where he transferred. I didn't think he was as good as Kyle Shermer, and I think they're looking at this thing through rose-colored glasses in Nashville. They think Neal is going to be some sort of an upgrade. I don't see it. They may use Deuce Wallace some as a change of pace, but Derek Mason, his defensive stuff has not worked against Fromm the last two years, and I I am not sure Neal is going to be as good as, as Shermer was, and I think this is going to be a problem for Vandy, at least in this game. They may bounce back later on. But uh, they've been outclassed by Georgia the last two years. So I think you're right here, Rich. 45-17, we took Georgia as well. And uh, look out for these guys. Uh, you know where they, they think they should be headed this year. That's the Final Four. And uh, I think they'll start off in good shape uh, on Saturday night. Be sure to check out goldsheet.com. You can get all the picks there. You can follow Bruce on Twitter at Bruce A. Marshall. Bruce, 30 seconds left. Give me one more game that you love this weekend that our listeners might want to jump on as well. Toledo plus the points against Kentucky. I don't think Mark Soups is going to drop off that much at Kentucky. He's done a great job. Check out how many times Kentucky's won 10 games in history. So he did. A, he's done a great job. They'll regress a little bit, but they have had trouble covering point spreads at home. They're 0-9, their last nine laying points in Lexington, and Toledo's a dangerous MAC team. Take Toledo plus the points. It'll be very close at Lexington on Saturday. Sounds good. Bruce, look forward to being with you all season long. A great way to start the year, and we'll talk to you soon, my friend. Thank you, Rich. Take care. That is Bruce Marshall. Check out goldsheet.com and Bruce on Twitter at Bruce A. Marshall. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.